I wrote down some of the Shilas that came up. The first one happened in my house Friday night. I'll tell you what the halacha is. It's a very specific halacha, but there are some Shilas, you know, it's, a, it's a good thing to know. There's a, there's a teaching, uh, the Mishabur brings down a halacha, and the Mishabur brings down, it's an older halacha, it's not the Mishabur himself, he's quoting an older Paisik, and the Mishabur says that when you're involved with pikuach nefesh on Shabbos, if a person makes a mistake, let's say they call Hatzal when they shouldn't, right? Mishabura says that Avera is not on you, it's on the Rav. Because there are certain topics that, understandably, you can't check at the time. When someone's in a, a, a time of distress, you don't really have time to look it up, so it's the responsibility, you know, of the Rav beforehand to, to, to do that. So there's certain Shilas that, like, you can't check them up when it's happening. You sort of just have to know them, or... Or you, you don't know the first time, but then you check it up and you, you won't make that mistake. So I'll tell you what happened in my house. So Friday, Friday night was Shabbos Yomtev. Shabbos Yomtev. Kiddush, Friday night. Starts, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech Elam, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech Elam, Asher Baruch Avani And then we realize, forgot to say Vayichulu. Right? Started... So anyway, so middle of uh, Kiddush, we realized we forgot to say Vayichulu. So now the question, now what do you do? So it's the middle of, the middle of Kiddush. I, I, can't, I can't check up what to do. And uh, by the time I realized, also everyone was sort of like, we're just going to restart. So this is what the Pesach of the Mishaburah is. The halacha is like this. If you realize that you forgot to say Vayichulu, but you already said Bari Priyagafen. So I was thinking maybe we should say Vayichulu in middle, just throw it in. No. This is what you do. You finish Kiddush, because this happens. Friday night Yom Tif, you're so used to the Yom Tif mode, you don't think of Kiddush on Friday night. You finish, so you have a Kaisi, you realize, oh, it's Friday night. Keep going. Don't mention Friday night. Keep going. Make a full Yom Tif Kiddush. Drink the Kais. Refill the Kais. Say Vayichulu, and then drink it a second time. That's the Psak brought down. It's based on the Mishaburah and Simon Reisha and Aleph, Sifkat and Men. Hey, that's, that's the Psak. So you, 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 finish the, you finish the benching. Don't throw in Vayichulu because it'll be a Hefsek. Drink the Kais. Refill the glass. Say, say Vayichulu ala Kais. And then you drink the Kais. And that's the proper thing to do. So again, does it happen? The next time it happens. Now you'll know and you'll seem like a very big Talmud Chacham because everyone will just assume you're a Baki Mishabura. So that's the first thing. I just wanted to th- throw it in. Uh, I know it's not the practical, but it just happened, Mamash. I just wanted to throw that in. Okay. Um, I have a couple Shilas I want to run through. The second one is very practical and it's a, it's a subtle. I don't believe I've spoken about this before, but this is very subtle. Okay. So you have someone that's in your family or a friend and there's a difference. They invite you for a barbecue, okay? Or they invite you for a Friday night meal, but they're not very makbid on kashras. Let's talk practically. They're not makbid on kashras karoi. They're not, they, they eat non-kosher. They eat out non-kosher. They don't eat kosher. They're not makbid on kashras. Or they say they're makbid on kashras, but they're mechal Shabbos, which, while it's a phenomenon that exists in America, you could have people that feel like they don't keep Shabbos, but they're super makbid on kashas. Not from a halachic perspective. From a halachic perspective, once you're mechal Shabbos, you're not nemon on kashas, because Shabbos is more severe than kashas. If you don't keep Shabbos, you definitely don't keep kashas. You might think you keep kashas, but you don't have any nemonis. So the question is, they say, it happens a lot when it's parents. Parents 
parent, the kids about tshuva, the parents say, come to my house. They're not makbid on kashras. But the parents say, we, we have everything is going to be uh, disposable. We just kasha the oven. The oven is easy to kasha. Everything's kosher. Trust us. I bought the food at Meal Mart. I bought it at Wasserman's. Kosher. The question is, is there any way you could eat there? Now, they don't have any nemonis, right? Why is it that you can go to someone's house, you could trust them, because the average Jew, that's Shomer Torah Mitzvah, has a nemonis, has a belief system. These people don't. They've lost that. So they say that they bought it from, you know, Wasserman's. How, how, how am I supposed to believe it? It's not, well, even, yeah, if you want to be the mashkiach, but no, you, you, you're coming. You're te- they're telling you, listen, I'm telling you everything we, 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 we kosher the kitchen, and we, we, we only bought stuff for you, separate kalim. Now, obviously, they have to actually know some laws. If they know no laws, then obviously there's nothing to talk about because they might think that it's kosher, but they're putting pork in there. But this is, these are people that they know, they understand kosher, so they're not makbid, but they're telling you, trust me, the food is from Milmart, trust me. So the question is, is there any way to eat there? So I'll tell you like this, there's a very fascinating psak from Ramosha Feinstein. It's in Yeridaeus, Chelek Aleph, Simon Nundalit, I believe, and Chelek Bey, Simon Mem Gimel. Ramosha has a very fascinating tshuva, and that Ramosha says like this, there's two different types of nemonis. It's a tremendous chiddush. There's halachic belief, halachic nemonis, and then there's practical belief. Meaning, the case that Ramosha was dealing with was a father was very from, his kids went off the derech. The father's older, the daughter wants to take care of the, the daughter says, come to me for Pesach, or come to me for Shabbos. The father says, you're not religious. She said, trust me, I'm, I'm, I know I'm not religious generally. I'm going to make sure that I have chicken for you, the type of chicken you like, in a disposable pan, covered in the oven, trust me. So Ramosha said, while they don't have halachic nemanis, there's such a thing called practical nemanis, which means, from a halachic perspective, you're right, they're not eid echon neman surim. they can't be a mashkiach, fine. But the father knows his daughter, and he knows she would not be mashal him, she would not mess him up, she knows it, because it's, the Ramosha describes it, it's not, it's not a nemonis. Nemonis means belief. It's a ria. It's, 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 it's more than belief. It's, I know it. You know what I mean? There's belief and then there's knowledge. Ramosha says, you could rely on such a person. Now, Ramosha does amend this. This is only applicable for family members that are close enough to be like this. Friends, it doesn't work. You can't say, I know my friend. He wouldn't, okay. Blood is, is thicker than water. Blood is, is what he's talking about. And it's not something that I would have other people over. But it is such a header that you have to know when to apply it. But if the right circumstance happens, I think it's something that you, you definitely can know about and can rely on that Ramosha Feinstein says, that if you have a child parent or brother sibling or whatever, that type of closeness, and you know they would not be marshal you, they would never give you food that's not kosher, you could rely on it. There's such a shita from Ramosha. Again, practical, you always have to ask Shailas, but I just wanted to bring that shita into people's awareness. Okay, fine, good. Okay, that was, I, was, I thought that would be like a controversial. Okay, great, beautiful. Yeah, that, that's a very good question. Now the question is, what if they say it's kosher, but you know they rely on Hashem that you don't, then that's not good. That's why I said it's not something, Ramosha was talking about, talking about a case where they say they would not, they know you'll only eat OU, let's say. They eat other stuff, but they know you'll only eat OU, and they say it's OU, 
because they would not give you something. You, you, you have to know the relationship. There are certain relationships you can't trust. But if you know, as Ramosha said, that you've tested them before, you know them, that they would not give you meat, claiming it's OU if it was a cupcake or whatever, or some, uh, some hersha that you don't hold of, I said cupcake, not chafke. There's a difference. But the point is, Ramosha says, in such a circumstance, you can rely on it. Now, yes, if they say it's kosher, and you know they just rely on stuff, then their kosher is not your kosher. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a case where they say they bought it from Meal Mart. They, you know that they would never give you food that, from your standards, is sub-your standards. Then there is such a concept. Again, you also have to make sure that the oven is kosher, because obviously if the oven's not kosher, whatever. My point is, they, they kosher the oven, but you're not sitting there in the back, you know, checking the meat and checking to make sure. The point is you could trust that they're not going to switch food out for you, that you could trust if they say that it's from Meal Mart. There's such a concept. Again, how it's applicable, it's not something you rely on all the time, but under certain circumstances, especially when the alternative is just fighting, you have to understand, a lot of times, that's also something, and that's why I just wanted to bring this Ramosha to the awareness of people. How it's applied, you have to ask a Shaila. And I, I, I can tell you, in my many years of doing this, it's not like I've applied this many times. Five or six times it's happened where you, it's their parents, it's always their parents, they're going home, and the parents say, trust me, I'm telling you what we did this, and the wife is not happy, and they're fighting, and they're screaming, and so it's okay, fine, you know, okay. Ramosha Feinstein, if he said this, you definitely could rely on it, but again, like I said, you have to know the circumstance to apply it. Okay. So Ramosha says it has to be, Ramosha's case, right? Like I sort of don't want to deviate too much from the case. The case is father-daughter. Ramosha says it has to be someone of that type of ilk. Like friends, I would not do it. I wouldn't apply it to cousins either. Like it has to be that you're so close that he, he, he cares enough about you, they would never be marshal you. I, I, I personally would only apply this to someone that's a very close blood relative. Now, it could be there are some people, my second cousin is as close, okay, man, I don't know. I personally would only apply it to something that's similar to Ramosh's Psak, which is that, because it's, again, it's a tremendous chiddush, that this, it's not a halachic nemonis, it's a practical nemonis, and Ramosh says it has to be avu b'noi, or avu bitoi, so it has to be something of that ilk uh, before I'd feel comfortable to apply it. Following in the theme of hopefully not too confusing for people, I jotted down 12, just 12 of my notes on Tefillah Sadarach. Tefillah Sadarach is something that I think confuses people a lot. People are traveling. Do I say Tefillah Sadarach? Do I not? So I'd like, over the next five minutes, I'm going to run through 11 of the things. It hopefully will not be too confusing. When I'm done, I'm happy to have all the questions. I, we'll, we'll run through it. Let's start with Tfil Saderach. Now, Tfil Saderach is a halacha that when you travel outside of the city, you make a special bracha, a special tefillah for protection. It's said when you're traveling. Now, I've mentioned this a couple times in Shurim in the past. It's Kedai de Chazer. And that is there's a Chakira. There's a Shiloh from Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. Is Tfil Saderach a bracha or is it a tefillah? So, because it's a Tfil Saderach, it's called a tefillah, but it's actually a bracha, right? So, which one is it? So what's the difference? So there's two practical differences of whether it's a tefillah or a bracha. First of all, if you're not sure. If you're not sure whether to say a bracha, what do you do? You don't say the bracha. If you're not sure whether you daven shachris, what do you do? You daven shachris again. And you have in mind that it should be an optional tefillah. So you find yourself in a situation where you're not sure whether to say tefillah saderach. We'll get to one huge case of where there's basically, as we'll see in a few moments, there's a machleikis between the Mishnah Bura and Ravad Yosef 
that makes it basically, according to Ravad Yosef, you're almost never going to say Tefil Sederach. Like, almost never. Mishabura, very common. So, you have this machlekes, yeah? So you're not sure what to do. Now, if you swear, you follow Ravadia. But for me, I don't know what to do. Mishabura, Ravadia, they're both big opinions. So if it's a tefillah, say it. If it's a bracha, don't say it. That's practical ca- ca- case number one. Practical option number two. Friday night, yeah? Does the father, the husband makes kiddush and he's motzi everyone? Yeah, sure. You could be motzi people in brachas, even if they could read Hebrew. You're not motzi people in davening if they could read Hebrew, right? The chazan only is motzi people that can't read. Right? Everyone says their own private shmanase. If it's a tefillah, let everyone say it. If it's a bracha, one person should say it. So, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, Paskins, that it's considered a tefillah. How does he know this? Because if you look, where is tefillah Saderach? It's in Hilchas tefillah. It's not in Hilchas brachas. It's in the Mishavur. It's in the It's in the Shulchan Aruch. It's in Hilchas tefillah, not in Hilchas brachas. Hilchas brachas is Chelek Beis in Mishavur. It's in Chelek Aleph in Mishavur. So, therefore, it's considered a tefillah, not a bracha. Therefore, if you're not sure, say it. Number two, everyone should say it. One person should not be might see everybody. Now, obviously, the driver is not going to be able to say it because he's driving. But a lot of times you'll have it where you're in the car and they'll say, oh, everyone quiet, tefillah zederech. And one person just says it for the whole bus. Ideally, if it's a tefillah, let everybody say it. It's a tefillah. There's no problem. Everyone should say their own tefillah. Number three practical application of this is there's a machlekes between Rosh Zalman and Rav Chaim Kenevsky. Are you able to add to the tefillah? Rosh Zalman used to add the tefillah was obviously meant for traveling. Nowadays, we travel in cars. So Shlomo Zalman would add, Protect us from car accidents. He would add that. Rechaim Kinevsky was not a fan of adding to it. Well, if it's a tefillah, there's more room to play with tefillahs. There's no room to play with brachas. So that's possibly where Shlomo Zalman got it from. So that was the first halacha. Again, I'm going to run through. That's the first halacha that it's considered a tefillah and not a bracha. Number two. We passed it. It's a tefillah. That's what Yaakov says. It's a tefillah. So therefore, every person should say it. And when you're not sure, suffix, say it. Okay. Let's keep going. When should you say it when you're on an airplane? So there's two different opinions between Rishlam Zalman and Rav Yaakov. Rishlam Zalman says when you're in the air enough that if it were to crash, it would be a problem. Which is, it's pretty, uh, for a couple feet. Rav Yaakov, this is Rav Yaakov Shita. This is what I always, I always feel uh, as someone who has, uh, who's uncomfortable flying. This makes me feel better. If you ever, if you know, uh, when the plane, it's on, the, it's taxiing, there's a point where the plane just, the engines, they go on. And there's that point where it's, you, you feel like the, the, the uh, you're still on the ground and you're not, you're, you're start moving and you feel that engines are ignited. I, I don't know how to describe it better than that, but there's that point, anyone who flies know there's that point when the plane just, it's engaged and it's, it's going. Yaakov says, say it right then. So that's when you should say Tefil Saderach at that point. Now, that's again, that's obviously the best time to say it. We'll talk about what happens if you're not going to say it. Now, here's the halacha. Let's say for someone who's traveling the whole day, he's going, this is the case, he's going to Yush- from Yushalayim to Tel Aviv, then back to Yushalayim. Insert, uh, I just picked that case because that's the person talking. The halacha is, you say one Tefil Saderach per day, even if it's multiple travels. So, if you're going from Yerushalayim to Beit Shemesh to Tel Aviv to Haifa, one feels that that covers the whole day. Because you know. Yeah, you add V'tach Zireinu But even if you're not going back home, even if you're just going from Yerushalayim to Tel Aviv, stopping for a few hours and then going to Haifa, you're still just going to say one because you know you're traveling and that'll cover the travel of the day. However, let's say you're going from Yerushalayim to Tel Aviv and then you plan on sleeping there. Okay, you get to Tel Aviv and you realize I have to go back. 
So now you're traveling again, but you didn't expect it. You have to say a second tefillah sederach. Because it wasn't covered when you said the original tefillah, you intended for what you intended. You didn't intend to go back. And again, because it's just a tefillah, it doesn't, it's, it's not the end of the world. Now, if you plan on going cross countries, so this is happening, let's say you're, you're, you're driving all night. So you're driving from here to, to Florida. You're driving all night, all day and all night. At night, you're just stopping for catnaps. You're not, if you're going cross country where you're, you're staying in a hotel, so then, you say it once a day, you say it in the morning, it covers you all day, go to the hotel, come out of the hotel, drive once per day. That's if you're going to sleep in bed. If you're not sleeping in bed, you're just going to a catnap on the side of the road, you don't say again, even though it's the next morning, because it's considered one hemshech. And what you do is, um, because it's unclear what to do, in this case, you probably shouldn't say Tevil Zederich. So what the postum say you should do is say it during Shema Kilenu. It's an interesting heta. During Shema Kilenu, say the Tevil Zederich. Say the Tevil Zederich there. Obviously not with Baruch Atah Hashem, but the actual Nusach of the Tevilah, the main body of the Tevilah, say it in, in, in Shema Kilenu. Fine. Now here's where I want to talk about the main Shiloh. And that is... When do you say it? How far do you have to be traveling to say it? Like, I'm going to Manhattan, am I saying it? I'm going to Muncie, am I saying it? So here's the deal. You have to leave the city. You have to leave the city. It has to be where you're in an area where there's no houses. You left the ear. Chutzah ear. There's no houses. There's no buildings. Nothing. Now, how far outside of the city do you have to go to war into bracha? One parsa. One parsa. That's the Shulchan Arsa. Now the question is: Is one parsa a distance in a distance in a, a distance, or is it time? Meaning, one parsa was seventy-two minutes to walk, and it's two point eight miles. So if you go outside of the city and you're walking seventy-two minutes and two point eight miles, you say it. Now we're driving. Is it seventy-two minutes of driving or two point eight miles of driving? Now that's a huge shaila. Because think about it: If I tell you that if you're driving outside of the city and you have to go in an area where there's no houses, you just have to go 2.8 miles of no houses outside of the city. Okay, so that's not crazy. If you have to go 72 minutes without houses, uh, you could probably go to, you could probably go to, I don't go to Baltimore often, but you probably can go to Baltimore and not have an area of 72 minutes of no houses. You're probably going to constantly have houses and buildings on the side of the road. You might have a couple miles. If it's 2.8 miles, much more limited. The Mishabura says it's distance, meaning as long as you're leaving the city and you're outside of the city for 2.8 miles without any houses, that requires a bracha. Ravadya says no, it's time. It has to be 72 minutes of travel. When walking, that's 72 minutes of walking. When driving, that's 72 minutes of driving. So Ravadya and Mishabura have a huge machlokas as to when it warrants it. So I'll tell you practically, when we used to, uh, last summer, now again, that means you have to be outside of the city where there's no houses for at least 2.8 miles. A lot of times when I'm driving, like you'll go to Muncie, you'll look around, you're like, there's still houses. Like there's still, there's just buildings. I don't know what they are. There's just buildings and houses and it, it continues, right? Each house, as long as they're close to each other, it extends, it extends, it extends. So it's always very tricky, but I'll tell you, New Hampshire, where we stay, when we went to New Hampshire for the summer, we always used to go to New Hampshire for the summer. You have your house, you drive down the road, nothing. It's a garnish. There's no houses. You could be driving three minutes. Three minutes back up there is three miles. That's how it works there. There's no houses, no cars. 
So every day, we would say Tefil Sederich every single day. Because even if you're going to shul, you're going three miles. Like even, you understand. So that's a huge nafkamina between the Mishabura and Revavadia. So practically speaking, according to Revavadia, you have to be going outside of the city, 72 minute travel outside of the city, which is very, very limited. According to Mishabura, you have to go 2.8 miles outside of the city. I said before, when you're not sure what to do, what should you do? You should say it. So practically halacha, I'm not good. I, I, I once gave this year, it was like a, like a recording, and people would send me, people asked me like, on maps, when to say, I have no idea. I'm not one of these people that can, I have no idea. I, I don't know these things. I can just tell you if you're driving and there's constant houses, there's constant buildings, there's constant kiosks, there's constant stuff, it's not outside of the city. If you, if you have an area of 2.8 miles where there is nothing, then it warrants saying Tefil Saderach. You should say Tefil Saderach, by the way, you should say it right away, at least the, the second you leave the city. Or even better to say even before, to be honest with you, because you don't want to go too late, because by the time if you look up and you realize you're already in the destination location, it's too late. But my point is, this, this is the machloikas. How it's applied, th- that you have to figure out yourself. But that's, a, that's the machloikas when it comes to the shilas. Is it 2.8 miles or 72 minutes? And, and the, the, obviously the nafkaminas are, are uh, pretty extensive. That's that shaila. This. That's a good question. Is there any other time where we take this parsa into account? And the major one, the nafkamina, the major halacha is going to a minion. The halacha is that if you're traveling and you're going towards, let's say I'm traveling anyway, I'm on the road anyway, I have to travel up to 72 minutes for a minion. But let's say I'm not traveling, I'm in my house. How long do I have to go for a minion? The halacha is a quarter parsa, which is 18 minutes. So it's a similar shaila. Is it point, uh, 2.8, sorry, before nine, six, six, uh, 6.7 miles? Or is it 18 minutes? We're machmed that it's 18 minutes. But you should know, people should just realize this. You're not obligated to travel more than 18 minutes for a minute. That means 18 minutes of a car. Right? The Pasha means of a car. But that does mean that there are some times where you're upstate and you find yourself where there's no minion and the closest minion is 42 minutes, 45 minutes, 30 minutes. You're not obligated to travel. Now, should you? That's a different Shiloh. If it's at night and there are no lights on the road, no, I wouldn't travel because that's an area where you think you're being machmer, but you're actually being lenient on pikuach nefesh. You should not. Rav Yaakov used to say that you should not travel on dark country roads at night without street lights for a minion if it's more than 18 minutes. So in Queens, you're obligated to go to a minion every single tefillah because Baruch Hashem, within an 18-minute walk, you're going to hit a minion. And especially with an 18-minute car, it's a Shabbos, it's walking because that's the method of travel. During the week, it's a car. Within 18 minutes, you're going to hit a minion. So you're obligated to go to a minion. But when you're upstate, you're not mechuyiv if it's more than 18 minutes. Whether you should or not, well, here's your case, right, with the Shalom Bias thing, right? You find yourself, you're, in, uh, you're upstate, the nearest minion is 35 minutes away, but it's Mincha Mayrev. So if you go to Mincha Mayrev and you come back, your dinner is going to be cold, your wife is going to be sitting there alone, creeped out in the middle of the woods for an hour and a half. Should you go to a minion? No, I don't think you should go to a minion. Why? Because you're not obligated anyway, right? It's not like you're Mevaza Chiv. And then once it's optional, as we say, then you have other things to take into account. Other things to take into account is Shalom Bayis, safety of the road, uh, now, whether you should go to such a place, that's not for me to decide. But my point is, if you are, find yourself in such a situation, 18 minutes is the chiv to travel for a minute. So, with what? The One more halach, and then we'll end with this. This is a shayla I just got recently. Someone during Avelis, they wanted to know if they can go to a school dinner. 
one of these uh, fundraising dinners, shul dinner. So there's a sheet from Ramosha Feinstein. Rav Ovalam brings this down in in Chaykachayim, Chukechayim, in Simon Shin Sadi Aleph. But uh, this is the basic psak. The psak is like you think to yourself, why am I going? It's a party. We don't go to parties. We don't have uh, listen to music and all these things. So Rav Moshe gave a hatter. This is brought down in Masaris Moshe. Rav Moshe said, by a dinner, a, like a, a yeshiva dinner, a fundraising dinner, where it's, it's fundraising. That's the purpose. It's, it's meant for the organization to make money. Even if you have a good time, the purpose is for the organization to make money. Many people, the tendency, I would say, for most people, is you'll give more money if you go. Right? If you just send in a check, you'll give a little bit of money. But if you go, you'll A, you'll pay the full price, and a lot of times... The organization benefits. Either it benefits because you'll give more money, because you'll see, like, oh, they do a good lot of stuff, maybe we'll go next year. And also, secondly, as someone who has an organization, it's, it's good for the organization to have people. When people go to events, that helps. So every, it's like there's a shita from Revel Yashiv, right? The Gemara says that, right? we, they, they turned it, Piamenta turned it into a song of the positive. Right? That means if you go to a chasana and you're you get the five koilas of the bracha. But the Gemara actually says the opposite, which is if you go to a chasana and you're not mesamchem, you're over. So the, the shaila that the poiskim, Rav Chaim Kineski, Revel Yashiv, I'm not. I don't mean to say that he altered it. It could be there's a medrash that's oh, just the Gemara says that. So the, the, the Shiloh that Rav Chaim Kinesk or Yashiv has, how am I misameach and v'kala? What do I have to do? I have to dance. I'm not a dancer. What do I have to do? So your Rav Yashashita, Rav Yashashita is going to the wedding is is mekayin. That's a why because he says a chas and v'kala want people there. They, they, they like when they show up, there's a lot of people there. If nobody shows up, it's going to be sad. I, they're not dancing. They just, it helps to have bodies. Bodies help at these type of events. So, so too it is with the dinner. So Rabbi Ramosha says, if you're going to the dinner, it's good for the organization. Then it's fine. Now, during the music, should you step out? Yeah, maybe it's better to step out. Ramosha also, they bring down, not from Ramosha, Rabbi Olm brings down a psak from some that you should just every once in a while get up, walk around. You don't have to be sitting in mamish like, like it's like a suda samelech. But the ikr, you can go to a dinner and all these organizations because the purpose is not for you, it's for them. And therefore, for the sarich mitzvah, tzarech tzedakah, that the, the paiskim are lenient even during Avelos. Okay? So you're asking, according to Rav Yashiv, if going to the wedding is mesameach, then how are you ever not mesameach? The answer is, you go to the wedding, you eat at the shmorg when, I guess, you eat at like a sheva brachas, when the chasen and kala are not even like there. You come and you eat and you leave. So they don't even see, they don't, you know, I guess so, but you're right, according to Rav Yashiv, it's very hard to be over. That's the point, you'd have to, yeah.